This is the third episode of the Patrara podcast. I'll be doing a review of some of the major points that I had collected from the book Do Fish Feel Pain by Victoria Braithwaite. This book explores the science behind pain perception in animals and asks important moral and ethical questions about how we treat fish that are used in many different ways ranging from fishing for recreation to fishing for food. It also delves into an important question about where we draw the line for attributing moral value when it comes to living beings and provides a not so clear conclusion on crustaceans although clear con- conclusion was derived for fish based on empirical research so the overview of the book is as follows um initially it is setting the context where a definition of the problem is given and generic details about what constitutes pain in animals is um, explained uh the second chunk of the book is divided into three chapters where uh, three layers of evidence are uh, furnished um and those layers of evidence are mapped on to uh, three layers of consciousness um which attribute sentience to fish um the last part of it is um uh, explaining what the current problems are and how the future will look like for uh fish that be used for different purposes going on to the uh, chapters and isolating some of the um, most important and interesting points that have been uh, furnished chapter 1 is titled as the problem um in this very various points uh, that stuck out to me are as follows the way in which we attribute the ability to suffer changes the way we interact with the animals also that is how we handle the animals how we uh, care for them and so on and so forth so to establish that uh, fish feel pain three layers of experiments had to be conducted one is to ensure that the fish have the required machinery to pick up the negative stimulus the second layer of testing was to understand if the pain or the negative stimulus is triggering the nervous system and the third layer of um, uh, testing which is uh, which is what is the most um, salient thing about uh, establishing sentience is whether or not the fish or the animal is changing its behavior based on uh, the negative stimulus which has been picked up by the nervous system so if the if you are able to furnish uh, results or experiments for um, experiments de- de- demonstrating that fish have these three layers then we can attribute sentience to fish the major underlying theme for of the book is that it is better to err on the side of caution so there are already certain laws that are present in uh, certain countries for example uh, animal scientific procedures act in uh, 1986 uh, that is present in the uk and there are also studies on preterm babies so that was that, that is one of the important things that um, uh, establishes the point that it is better to err on the side of caution wherein um, decision was taken to ensure that babies are preterm babies or um, uh, neonates are given adequate moral value uh, especially in the third trimester based on research from uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging um, so uh, an example that is shown is that when uh, a heel lance is uh, done to get a uh, drop of blood from babies to do dna testing there is activity in the nervous system uh, while when the leg of the baby's baby is captured or gripped there is no activity in the brain uh, just because there is no activity in the brain when a negative stimulus such as gripping the uh, leg is done doesn't mean that the baby is 
not able to feel the pain so it is it has been suggested that uh, moral value be attributed to babies at the third trimester given this pretext there also it, it also explains a lot of uh, interesting things about fish um while establishing the three layers of um, uh, testing like us fish are also able to have uh, five senses not all fish but many fish um they also have other sense receptors that help them uh, in their environment so for example uh, a blind cave fish doesn't have eyes but it has a lot of receptors along its flank so uh, these receptors help in uh, help in navigation for this fish um for example in eels they have receptors or they have uh, the ability to generate electricity to stun the prey the necessary machinery may be available it is just that it is not similar to humans um there are also similarities with vertebrates uh, for example cortisol is released in uh, fish also when they are stressed the brain is similar in overall construction that is there is a forebrain midbrain and a hindbrain i mean there, there is a significant difference in the way in which uh, development of the brain happens in vertebrates to uh, between vertebrates and fish uh, they also don't have a neocortex that is one of the major points that is being raised uh, in opposition to the uh, conclusion that fish feel pain um there is significant uh, problem with this kind of uh, attitude uh, when when looking at evidence we've been looking at uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging studies of humans during painful experiences it is also observed that there is a lot of activity in other parts of the brain um arguing that this part of the missing brain in fish prevents the animal from feeling pain is not a productive line of reasoning um as we need to be careful in how we compare um, brain function and brain capacity across different taxonomic groups um a better way to understand this is to test the function of different parts of the brain and determine how they influence the behavior of the animals uh, a flaw can be clearly uh, demonstrated using the example of brain laterality so in humans different parts of the brain do different things or at least there is clearly right brain and left brain uh, activities that are happening which uh and the information from that is processed in the neocortex so for brain laterality it can be argued that um neocortex is a requirement um but fish also have uh, laterality and uh, it has been shown that they are able to lateralize information between right part of the brain and left part of the brain um but they don't have a neocortex but this processing of information from two uh, hemispheres is still being done in uh, fish also so um even though even uh, in the absence of neocortex so uh, it 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 shows that the neocortex is not necessary for this function or at least for the uh, concatenation of um, information from both uh, hemispheres um extending that logic to pain sensation also it can be said that neocortex may not be the processing in, uh, center for uh, pain in fish there might be other uh, processing processing centers that help the fish in surviving for the longest period of time it also seems that attribution of intelligence uh, is one of the main ways in which humans confer moral value to other animals um, and memory is one uh, component of intelligence and uh, it has been shown in salmons that they can remember smells for up to one year uh, wherein they remember the smell of um, different areas that they uh, traverse during the migratory uh, uh path um and they are able to come to the same location where they hatched initially after you know the spawning process 
there is also another problem with the way in which they are uh, uh, referenced as in they are called lower vertebrates because of their long ancestry that is they have been on the planet much more longer than land organisms uh, but the problem lies in the word lower vertebrate because it is misleading to general people who don't understand evolutionary uh, concepts uh, and they often assume that since they are lower they don't have to be given the same moral value as other higher vertebrates or higher terrestrial animals um there are also significant problems in the way in which we handle them during uh, trawling for example it is a extremely cruel process um in which fish suffer through extreme levels of pain um and one of the uh, interesting things is that um the way in which this the, the most fish are uh, killed is that they are suffocated in air for example we don't kill chicken by um, drowning them in water of course the way in which chickens are chickens and other animals are killed differs from country to country and there are obviously cruel practices but um it is a no no when we think of drowning chicken or drowning animals terrestrial animals um to kill them but we do the same thing with fish we are suffocating them in air overfishing has resulted in moving more towards aquaculture which is one of the which is considered to be one of the fastest growing forms of farming across the globe the question is how long before this becomes a debacle like marine fisheries of course the way in which this may turn out uh, may be different to how the marine fisheries turned out uh, but based on our history with other uh, forms of agriculture um, animal agriculture to be specific uh, they have resulted in uh, huge environmental uh, destruction so uh, it is just a matter of time before uh, aquaculture also succumbs to that pressure um another problem uh, while setting the context regarding pain and fish uh, uh, the ability of fish to feel pain um there are also problems with the five freedom concepts of welfare um introduced in 1979 especially for fish because there are certain species of fish um for which this concept doesn't work for example some fish uh, fish species uh, defend their enrichment they consider them as territories and uh, they uh defend that uh environment against other fish by becoming overly aggressive and causing damage to the other fish so the concept is inadequate when it comes to fish welfare um the problem mainly arises because of the fact that there is collision between animal husbandry and animal welfare um for example certain animal husbandry practices may seem like they are good for the fish for example um good health good environment um these are all necessary for the for better growth of fish but when it comes to looking at it from the perspective of animal welfare uh, pain and suffering are more important so even though the fish are given a good environment and good health conditions for example in the form of good enrichment it may cause suffering to the other fish um, while engaging in uh, battles of you know uh, territorial aggression so given this pretext let's move on to the second chapter uh it is titled what is pain and why does it hurt so this gives a context as to what pain is and uh, how it is processed by the brain so uh, initially uh, before going on to the anatomical and physiological um, uh, processes in fish we need to understand that uh, understand a concept called affective empathy so affective empathy is when we feel the same way about another person or another being that is suffering let's assume that there is a dog or a cat or a bird that is injured uh, we feel empathic with their pain because we feel um, 
and affective empathy for the animal, uh, we have attributed a, uh, a higher moral value to the animal. But this doesn't happen with fish because we see them as alien creatures and even enjoy the process of killing uh, dozen, uh, fishing and angling. Uh, there are evolutionary reasons for uh, pain, why pain evolved in uh, certain creatures. Uh, it helps us learn about what the stimulus is and it also helps us um, once we learn that and the learning is also linked to memory, once we learn that we are able to avoid such negative stimulus which reduces the likelihood of leaving our, our offspring. So by effectively learning from the negative stimulus we stay away from it and there is a higher likelihood that we will leave offsprings. So um, that is the main reason why pain evolved in certain creatures. Uh, and there are other defense mechanisms in creatures that don't have pain, but uh, that is selected for by natural selection. One of the ways in which that has been selected for is the ability to is 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 nociception. Um, nociception is a reflexive action where um, this action is initiated in the spinal cord. Uh, it is also present in uh, cnidarians like uh, jellyfish, sea anemones, and uh, corals, um, but it doesn't guarantee, guarantee sentience. Just because the creature is having nociceptive abilities, it doesn't mean that the creature is sentient. Um, the reason why it is not sentient is because there is no brain to process the information consciously. So these um, truly lower uh, creatures have ganglions or uh, groups of neurons that have the ability to um, uh, process the negative stimulus, but it doesn't process it in the brain. Which helps us learn, which helps the animal learn uh, from the negative stimulus. Also, uh, presence of opioid receptors points to nociceptive uh, abilities, um, and they are present in even in invertebrates like uh, snail, um, which suggests that nociceptive uh, abilities are evolutionarily ancient. So even uh, lower species have nociceptive abilities. The main question is: Are the uh, creatures consciously detecting the pain, pain by the brain um, after the uh, initial unconscious reflexive action initiated by the nociceptive receptors. Um, that is one of the necessary factors or variables before the ability to suffer can be attributed to the animal, that is sentience. The, this is the basic pretext regarding pain. So in the third chapter, there is evidence presented for uh, the three layers of testing that we discussed in the first chapter. The challenge now was to prove that fish are sentient and those three layers of testing need to be done. Initial nociceptive reaction. There is adequate machinery in the fish to be able to detect the pain um, and a conscious detection in the brain uh, by the nervous system because of this negative stimulus and altering of behavior based on the negative stimulus. Um, there are also other higher order behaviors that have been tested, um, uh, which is evidence for which is established in the in this chapter. Um, we'll we'll talk about that uh, towards the end. The author has been working on drought, and the trigeminal nerve is the major uh, focus in her um, uh, research. So this trigeminal nerve is the one that serves the area around the face. Um, especially near the jaw, eyes and uh, and the mouth. There are two types of nerve fibers uh, that transmit nociceptive responses in this nerve. So one is called the A-delta fibers and the next one is called the C-fibers. A-delta fiber is for the reflexive sensation of pain while 
C fibers are for the transmission to the brain of the duller, slower throbbing pain uh, generated after the initial response. To understand what these types of pain are, let's take an example. So uh, let's assume that you touch a hot pan. Uh, the reflexive action immediately after uh, touching the pan is caused by the A delta fibers. Uh, there is no conscious thought. Uh, the nociceptive uh, receptors are picking up the signal, which is a negative stimulus, and it is going to the spinal cord, which initiates the reflexive action. Um, the slower or the throbbing pain that you feel afterwards, after this reflexive action, um, it is because of the fact that the C fibers are transmitting into the brain. Um, upon closer examination of the uh, trigeminal nerve under a microscope, it has been it was found that um, both these fibers were present in the trigeminal nerve of fish. Uh, although the A fibers were uh, sorry, the C fibers were lesser in uh, numbers compared to other vertebrates, but still this establishes the fact that the fish will be able to um, uh, consciously detect the pain in the nervous system. Uh, but the intensity might be smaller than what other vertebrates might feel. Uh, it was also found that 22 nociceptive receptors were found around the fish's face and snout. To test whether or not it is uh, triggering some sort of a reaction in the brain, um, the trout were uh, divided into two groups, treatment group and control group. The treatment group con contained two different types of treatments. One is um, uh, injecting bee venom into the fish's snout and uh, another treatment was injecting uh, vinegar into the fish's snout. The control groups um, were, uh, the, the fish in the control group were given saline, uh, which is not an irritant. Um, so once the fish were injected, um, it was observed that the gill beating rate, which is a way of showing stress in fish, um, the gill beating rate increased in the treatment group um, and the fish in the treatment group also rocked from side to side. Uh, they made darting movements um, towards the bottom of the uh, tank. They rubbed their snout on the glass and uh, on the gravel at the bottom. So it was also observed that the time it took for the gill beat rate to come to the baseline um, and the time to start feeding uh, um, after the treatment was also significantly higher in the treatment group compared to the control group. The, the reason why uh, the feed, uh, the, the time before the next feeding was uh, uh, studied was because of the fact that uh, after a negative stimulus, um, even humans, we don't like to eat after we have injured our leg or whatever. If, if we have had a negative stimulus, we try to refrain from eating for some time. So that is why that variable was also tested. There is a clear similarity between higher vertebrates and fish in how we react to negative stimulus. There is also a caveat here. It can be argued that this is all a totally reflexive response um, starting from the initial reflexive response to the increased level of cortisol to the increased kill beat rate and reluctance to eat food without actually consciously being aware of the pain. Uh, which is why the alteration in behavior upon receiving the negative stimulus has to be tested, which is what was done um, uh, in the next phase. For testing the altered behavior under stress or negative stimulus, the ability to pay attention was tested. The reason why this variable was tested was because trout don't usually go near novel objects that very quickly. So the experiment is as follows. If the fish swims near the object after being uh, treated with vinegar or uh, saline or bee venom, 
uh, it means that there is processing of the uh, the the fish is not processing the normal object and it is processing the stimulus that was given to it the fish was um, moving towards the object which means that this negative stimulus uh, is taking up much of the brain uh, power which is which means that it is processing the pain and not processing the normal object in the environment in the case of saline uh, the fish moved fish was reluctant to move towards the novel object which means that there is no um, processing of the pain in the uh, in the brain because there is no pain in the first place a gain of function experiment was also done so the previous one was a loss of function um, the gain of function experiment is um, as follows um, the fish that were given uh, the negative stimulus which is venom or vinegar they were given an opioid um, or a pain relief um, which made them immediately uh, aware of the new env- new item in the environment and they, they were reluctant to move towards it. Um, so this clearly shows that there is avoidance behavior in the fish when um, they are free of pain and uh, when they are given a negative stimulus, they are consciously processing that pain in the uh, brain. This proves that fish are sentient because there is uh, because it ticks the three uh, layers of testing that was uh, supposed to be done. Uh, it was not just done for trout, but uh, evidence from carp, cod, and salmon have also been furnished in the uh, note section of the uh, book. The next chapter moves uh, into some of the uh, higher level processes um, in terms of mapping these uh, tests onto the layers of consciousness. Uh, the fourth chapter is titled uh, Suffer the Little Fishes. We need to understand three layers of consciousness that uh, have been described uh, based on Ned Block's uh, categories of consciousness. Um, the three layers of consciousness are um, access consciousness, phenomenal consciousness, monitoring and self-consciousness. So based on this uh, categorization, we need to find different elements of behavior that resemble aspects of these consciousness. So before we move on to that, we need to understand what each of these means. Um, And I'll uh, give supporting evidence for each of these types of consciousness as and when we uh, define these types of consciousness. So access consciousness is the ability to think or describe a mental state either current or associated with the memory, which is also known as primary consciousness. For example, um, uh, it, it is the ability to learn correct routes and mazes. Um, and uh, properly testing or successfully testing in spatial ability. Um, once we establish these these types of um, uh, abilities, it means that we have established access consciousness. Um, fish have been shown to have the ability to navigate through mazes and have clear maps of their environment. Uh, an extremely good example is of uh, the frillfin gobi, um, which jumps into different rock pools, so they don't live in ocean, but they live in uh, rock pools that are created by the tides uh, of the ocean. Uh, They're able to evade predators by jumping from one rock pool to another when the predator predator is chasing them. Predator usually is a bird because these are, this is literally fish in a barrel. It's it's small rock pools in which they live and they have the ability to jump from one rock pool to another based on just one experience of the uh, landscape of this rock pool. So uh, when the high tide comes, they're transported from the rock pool onto the tide. And when they come back, they're able to get a map of what the rock pool uh, landscape is like. And they properly jump from one rock pool to another while evading predators. While evading from predators, they don't 
beach themselves. So they properly get onto the rock pool while evading, and it has also been shown that they do multiple uh, jumps. It's also been shown in certain uh, species of fish that they are able to have a mental representation of social order um, by testing the f- fighting behavior. For example, um, a Siamese fighting fish um, was chosen in the study. Uh, there was an observer uh, fish while there were five other um, participants. So these five participants, these, uh, since it is an experiment, the participants are obviously rigged uh, in a way that um, fish A defeats fish B, fish B defeats C, C defeats D, D defeats C. So the observer fish was able to uh, look at all the fights between these fishes. So the experiment was as follows. So once this observer uh, fish saw all the fights, um, there was uh, fish B in one side of the uh, in in uh, in the left side of the um, tank, and there was um, fish E in the other side of the tank. So the observer fish was kept in the tank in the middle, and in the uh, tanks on the on both sides of uh, this observer fish were fish P and fish D. Uh, what is interesting was that the observer fish was able to understand the um, identity of each of these fish um, because fish B and fish D have been uh, depicted as both losers and winners. So for example, B lost against A but won against C. Um, D lost against C but won against D. So it was not some signal of winner or loser that uh, the fish was showing but the individual representation was individual representation of the fish was being stored by the observer fish. So when the screen was removed uh, from both sides of the tank, the observer fish ran towards uh, fish D because it knew that in the order of uh, the ability to fight, fish D is considerably uh, less talented compared to uh, fish B. So there is a higher likelihood of the observer to win against D compared to winning a fight against B. So uh, this shows that there is transitive inference or logical uh, decision making in terms of whom to fight. These examples give a clear understanding of uh, fish having the uh, fish having actual access consciousness. Uh, moving on to phenomenal consciousness, um, it it's, uh, the phenomenal consciousness is the experience of sensing what is around you and the feelings and emotions generated by what you detect which is also known as the hard problem of consciousness. So there's a scientist named uh, Marian Dawkins who suggests that the emotions can be categorized as objective, um, which includes behavioral and physiological aspects that don't require any conscious awareness, and a subjective form which consciously recognizes and experiences an event as either pleasant or unpleasant. When subjective emotions arose isn't clear in the evolutionary uh, timeline, but the presence of the limbic system in fish may be reason enough to uh, attribute the ability of fish to subjectively feel uh, emotions. Although this interpretation is slightly speculative, droughts have been shown to alter their behavior um, under different conditions. Droughts are species of fish which uh, like to be along with other uh, droughts. Um, or at least they have, they have the need to be near their companion. Um, so uh, the, the experiment is as follows. There is a, a tank. Two-thirds of the tank doesn't have an electric shock, while the last third has electric shock uh, when the uh, trout moves there. So, uh, when the trout is kept singly in a 
uh, in a tank, it avoids going into the last third of the tank because there is electric shock, which is a negative stimulus. Since the fish like companionship, uh, when a when a trout is kept in an adjacent tank, which is visible to the uh, trout on the side where the shock is happening in the first tank, uh, the trout moves on to the uh, last third and tries to be near this companion um, trout, even though it is absor- uh, even though it is experiencing the negative stimulus, which is shock in this case. Uh, so it clearly demonstrates that um, trouts have the ability to make choices when it comes to uh, where they want to be based on uh, different environmental conditions. Monitoring and self-consciousness. It is the experience of thinking about your own actions and the ability to play these out mentally so that we can reflect on the situation and consider different potential scenarios. Uh, this is also known as extended consciousness. To establish monitoring and uh, self-consciousness, Two species of fish were selected in the book, uh, grouper uh, fish and murray eel, which cooperatively hunt, um, which indicates that there is a higher uh, order of consciousness in uh, these species. Uh, and this can be extrapolated to other species as well. What happens between uh, grouper and eel is as follows. So um, the grouper, when it wants to hunt, uh, it comes to the murray eel and vigorously shakes its head up and down. Uh, this is a signal for the eel to uh, move towards corals and drive out prey from the uh, crevices of the coral so that the grouper can eat. Um, and when uh, the grouper sees a fish that is moving onto a crevice, it indicates to the eel where the fish has gone by pointing its snout towards the path that the fish took inside the crevice. And the moray eel drives the fish out by uh, you know going inside. And the opposite is done by the uh, grouper fish also, wherein it drives the fish into the the prey into the coral so that the eel can um, catch its prey. Um, similar uh, types of cooperative hunting has been seen in other species, but not between species. And the, this can be extrapolated to other fish species also, which have so uh, schooling behavior. Hence, many fish species take the three levels of consciousness they should be considered as sentient creatures who can subjectively experience suffering imposed on them. Now that we have established that fish can feel pain, the next chapter moves on to understanding where we can draw the line in terms of attributing moral value, um, or at least in terms of what species have the ability to feel pain. Um, so uh, this chapter is called, um, th- this ch- chapter is titled uh, Drawing the Line. Um, as mentioned earlier, the initial pretext is that it is always better to err on the side of caution and a few examples are given. For example, Canadian Council for Animal Care provides legal protection to squid, octopus and uh, cuttlefish, uh, which are cephalopods. Uh, in UK, there is this uh, act which says that, uh, which is called Animal Scientific Procedures Act. Um, which provides legal protection to octopus also. It is important to understand that some cephalopods like octopus and squid are intelligent. Um, Octopus can learn to open a child-proof medicine bottle where they can open it in less than 5 minutes after some practice runs and the practice runs may take uh, around uh, 1 hour. These child-proof medicine bottles are uh, designed in a way that you'll have to press and unscrew uh, and many uh, uh, young children or at least most young children can't do this. Um, the ability of octopus to do this is 
uh, amazing because it has that intelligence to understand what needs to be done to open the uh, bottle and no susceptive abilities have been tested in prawns also um prawns treated with local anesthetic in their uh, antenna uh, such as benzocaine uh showed a tail flick response so tail flick response is a is a reflexive action that shrimps and prawns do when they uh, experience a negative stimulus um which helps them explosively move from one place to another which is a form of escaping from predators um but when they were uh, given uh, treated with saline sea water uh, on their antenna they didn't show any uh, response um following this the prawns also the prawns that were treated with uh, benzocaine they also groomed their antenna with pincers and their mouth as the anesthetic on their antenna were uh, creating some sort of an irritation uh, following this the prawns in both the groups were given uh, were rubbed with vinegar or caustic soda on their uh, uh, antenna so the ones that had been uh, treated with benzocaine which is a painkiller um or an anesthetic uh, they didn't show the tail flick response and they didn't uh, groom their antenna the ones that were treated with saline before um uh, when they were rubbed with uh, caustic soda or um, or um, uh, vinegar they showed the tail flick response and uh, uh, they started grooming their antenna which says that the the there is presence of nociception and there is also presence of opioid receptors uh, but not necessarily the ability to feel pain uh, as we have seen that there needs to be three layers of testing to uh, ensure that they f- feel pain helmet crabs which are also crustaceans have been uh, tested in different conditions such as choosing between staying without a shell or accepting some level of electric shock to stay inside a shell um and this was done in different experimental conditions such as in the presence of a shell from an acceptable or a non acceptable species usually hermit crabs don't have a uh, uh hard casing like other crabs so they try to go into snail shells to protect themselves from predators uh they were also shown to make motivational trade offs due to the bad memory from the shocks in terms of choosing the shells some researchers have also shown that this is not just a reflexive response as in some of these experiments the new shells were provided to them 20 seconds after the shock was uh, given in their uh, test shells which means that they have a memory for at least 20 uh, seconds uh, which suggests that they have the ability to store information and it's not just a reflexive response obviously there's still not enough evidence to attribute suffering uh, but they can uh, still sense the negative stimulus and uh, uh, the negative stimulus is obviously reaching the nervous system but some sort of memory is being uh, developed uh, the reason why we are saying why it is being said that uh, there is not enough evidence is because of the fact that they are not basing their decisions on self awareness as we discussed there needs to be three layers of consciousness onto which we can uh, map um, on which we can map these responses there may not be evidence right now of sentience directly for cephalopods and crustaceans but given the levels of intelligence in cephalopods and greater reflexive nociceptive uh, responses to noxious stimuli and some sort of memory in crustaceans it is better to err on the side of caution and provide them with some level of protection from suffering and whatever this level of protection needs to be developed by uh, people who study these species now that we know where we uh, draw the line in terms of attributing moral value or at least attributing uh, the ability to feel pain uh, the next chapter was uh, to see what the problem was in uh, waiting for so long to ask this question 
some uh, important points that stuck out from this uh, chapter are, uh, are as follows silakanth which was which was uh, which was assumed to be uh, extinct was found in uh, different parts of the world and uh, these species are uh, around 408 million years old and are still present um, and they've been termed as swimming swimming fossils and such terminology uh, reinforces the idea that fish are lower or primitive or ancient life forms which masks the evolutionary success these species have had usually evolutionary success is measured in terms of how well adapted the species is how diverse the species is and how long something has persisted in uh, evolutionary time scale and we have seen that destructive fishing practices have resulted in depletion of world fisheries and some species are barely clinging on um, and uh, that is due to enforcement of various fishing bans in different parts of the world why this question hasn't hasn't been asked maybe because this might cause trouble in people who they undertake fishing as a hobby or in uh, countries uh, or in developing countries where fish seems to be a major source of protein um many gruesome practices were happening earlier in terms of how animals were treated for example animal baiting was happening bear fighting was happening bull baiting was happening uh, chickens chickens were buried in the ground with their heads sticking out uh, and people uh, tried to decapitate the chicken by swinging a stick at them um and uh, there are some practices that are still happening like fox hunting um, bull fighting etc in different parts of the world some of these practices um even though they are going on in different parts of the world there is widespread condemnation about continuing such practices and uh, some of these uh, practices are in the process of being phased out due to people asking the question do these animals feel pain uh, and is it okay to inflict such pain on uh, these animals we, we are at such a critical juncture for fish that we are raising that question and science is helping uh, with answers to that question as we have seen in the previous 3-4 uh, chapters. Now that we know what the problem is, we know if fish feel pain, where we draw the line and where, why the question was not asked for a long time, we need to look at the future and that is what is done by the uh, author also. And uh, the next chapter is uh, titled Looking to the Future. Some of the major points that are uh, that stuck out from this chapter are that uh, we, nowadays we have many welfare practices in aquaculture farms specifically uh such as size grading without manually handling the uh, fish which is a known form of uh, stress for fish um and it's now being done with pumps and wide diameter hoses fitted with counters to move fish of different sizes to different tanks or ponds um other methods such as fish deciding when to feed by our feeders um that release a small pellet of food when the fish is able to pull a small string uh, that helps in um uh, uh in the process of feeding the fish which does not involve uh, spraying the food on the pond uh, or the grow out ponds or tanks uh, where fish fight for food and uh, this also ensures that they have a better growth rate there is reduced stress for fish um, in terms of fighting for the food and it also creates lesser waste because the feed is coming out only when the fish wants to feed and not when the owner uh, decides to feed the animal um and because there is lesser waste there is also little damage to the surrounding environment in terms of nitrogen uh, overload stocking density guidelines are only available but clear rules aren't available for many species of fish hence uh, one of the major uh, areas of focus should be on r&d 
research and development in this area uh, from an animal welfare perspective and not from an animal husbandry perspective uh, the problem has mainly been due to the breadth of species uh, let alone crustaceans cephalopods and other marine creatures that we consume and hence creating generic guidelines is tricky if not impossible given this problem species specific uh, information sheets about welfare um, that are developed in conjunction with fish specialists um and this is a unique problem posed by aquaculture because it is not um, uh, a major problem in other animals farmed for uh, food um there are also two major misconceptions about fish uh, and their uh, intelligence uh, because uh, people seem to ask the question uh, these two questions why do fish f- seem to run away when they are hooked with a uh, with bait uh doesn't it cause more pain to the fish by dragging the line away from uh, throat and the second question is why fish seem to get hooked again and again when they are baited uh don't they learn from the initial memory uh so these are two misconceptions because the evidence shows the other way or at least there are some clear reasons as to why this seems to be happening so f- the first question uh, why fish seem to run away when they are hooked um it is due to the fight or flight response um there is no conscious thought process because of the sympathetic nervous system's involvement here which is majorly reflexive and um, hence it even if it causes some discomfort in the beginning to uh, due to the hook in their mouth there is motivation for the animal to get away that it is ready to bear some pain in doing so um there are many examples in humans also we have heard stories where uh, mothers lift a car of a baby that might be crushed or many such superhuman uh, uh, acts that have been documented and there are also other animals that uh, chew off their limbs when they are trapped uh, this is a normal fight or flight response that fish show the second question is about why fish seem to get hooked again and again so uh, if an example or one or two examples might help here um pike fish have been shown to avoid being repeatedly hooked upon uh, one day of learning um carp species caught using a rod and line uh, need to be captured using a different more form of fishing and they don't get hooked again on a uh, rod and line um th- there are other fish seem to not learn i mean it is it seems like they're not learning but there is a clear uh, reason behind why this is happening let's consider that there is fish in a wild stream with plenty of competition um these fish may not have the luxury of being choosy about when they attempt to eat that is the motivation to feed uh and the competition from neighbors is so high that the fish is forced into making these mistakes and forced to take the bait on more than one occasion and that is why it seems like uh they are getting baited multiple times but uh, it is not because they are learning but they are uh, making motivational trade offs one surprising thing here is uh, catch and f- release fishing uh, is considered ethically wrong Uh, and there are even laws in germany preventing the intentional release of fish above a particular size uh, at first it might seem uh, ludicrous to think that it is ethically wrong because anyone who is not killing the fish is doing the fish a good this is a fascinating thing to think about from a moral philosophy point of view because some people may argue that releasing the fish after having caught them instead of killing them is a good thing as always a consequentialist moral framework could help in deciding what the morally better thing to do here is questions pertaining to large females helping maintain the fish population uh, may be asked when thinking about not letting certain sizes of fish back after catching them um another question is in areas where there aren't enough fish should they be stocked with fish 
many of whom may die due to uh, predation or starvation just so that fishing can happen in these places there are also other problems uh, for example what about fish kept in aquaria many people have made a case against zoos and since many fish in aquaria are wild caught shouldn't those arguments translate to fish also and marine animals in aquaria this line of questioning is strengthened by the fact that large marine animals which have large traveling ranges show stereotypical behavior like the terrestrial wild animals that are kept in zoo another ethically interesting question is in the long line fishing practice uh, where fish remain hooked to the long uh, to the line for a long time possibly suffering during uh, the entire uh, time as they are alive until they are being hauled to the surface and suffocated in air on the deck of ships but this type of fishing is targeted and there is not a lot of bycatch as in the case of other type of fishing like trawling or pursing the final point uh, in this chapter is to uh, find out better ways of slaughtering the fish of course uh, it's not going to stop even though we have uh, established that they have some moral value um, but at least in terms of a welfare point of from a welfare point of view um, it it seems logical to think that there needs to be some sort of uh, there needs to be better practices while animals are slaughtered for example carbon dioxide stunning followed by uh, gill cutting was and packing in ice was considered to be a humane method of slaughtering so what happens is uh, fishes gills and uh, soft uh, tissues are irritated due to the carbon dioxide in the water uh, making the water acidic and they also excrete ammonia further affecting the quality of the water the fish struggle for several minutes before they become immobile not stunned um, because of lack of oxygen and from exhaustion hence when the gills are cut at this point they are fully conscious um once they have their gills cut they are packed on ice um since fish are cold blooded their metabolism merely slows down while they slowly bleed to a prolonged death on ice hence this method is no longer considered a humane method of slaughtering fish while uh, uh, while it has been established as a inhumane method of slaughtering it is still practiced in many parts of the uh, world nowadays electrical followed by percussive stunning is considered to be the most humane method uh, for slaughtering for many species of fish although the parameters of electrical stunning are different for different species this is considered a more humane method because they induce much less physiological stress and ensures unconsciousness before gill cutting or bleeding them out so given the given the points raised in this book it is very important to uh, look at what the future looks like for uh, fish do we consider them as morally uh, valuable beings are they sentient um what kind of policies are going to be put in place to ensure that they don't feel uh, they, they they're not they're not suffering so much uh like what they are suffering right now and this is especially important given the uh, given the fact that the the number of fish that are killed for human consumption is in the order of multiple hundreds of billions if not trillions there is no clear data on how many fish are killed because usually fish are uh, valued in terms of weight um and not in terms of their numbers the, the book just does not provide evidence for uh, uh, the ability for fish to feel pain but it also raises important moral questions that we as a society should um ask Uh, relating to the animals that we consume uh, if not all animals at least fish uh, obviously if we are considering fish then we also have to uh, ought to attribute the same moral value or even more moral value to uh, other higher vertebrates but overall uh, it was a good read it is a small book it is not just a book with a lot of fluff 
there is the book is concise it uh, presents the scientific evidence for what it is talking about in a very concise way um, and it is also very easy to understand the book is not uh, written in a very complex academic language it is it is written in very simple terms for a layman to understand um and uh, anyone who reads this obviously someone who has an inclination towards reading more about moral philosophy will uh, obviously enjoy this book so uh, give it a read uh, i'll post some links to the book on uh, amazon also so thank you for listening uh, i'll see you guys in the next episode of the patrick podcast until then out